Welcome to CLCC Online. We pray that this message draws you towards Jesus and strengthens your walk with Him. We believe that we were meant to do life in community. So if you live in the Fraser Valley area, we would love to get you connected into the family. Find everything you need at clcc.ca. Enjoy. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to CLCC Online. Thank you for joining us this summer. You know what? I love summertime. Summertime is, is a, a unique time for me because during my job during the year as a professor, I do have to read a lot of nonfiction books, books about theology, practical theology, uh, biblical theology, a lot of theology books and leadership books. But in the summertime, I get to read novels. I love novels. Ever since I was a kid, I always loved to read novels, particularly historical fiction. I love history, but when it's written in a story form, it just makes so much more sense to me. In fact, when I read, when I read nonfiction books or when I read fiction books, I, um, I get so immersed sometimes in the story and in the characters that I just kind of forget about the world around me and I could just read for hours. Uh, and I'm, I just, and even actually when I put the book down, I kind of have to reorient myself because I've been so immersed in that world. There's just something about stories that captures our imaginations, that allows us to, to be in a different world and to, to, to feel what the character is feeling. And, and stories have been around from the beginning of time. In fact, stories is the main way that cultures would pass on beliefs and truths and principles and values from one generation to the next. Because stories engage us. Stories are, are, are kind of core to who we are as humans. And so this, this series that we are doing now is called Stories That Transform Us. And what's important about that is that we're going to look at stories from, the, from Scripture that uh, motivate us, that challenge us, that transform us in how we live for God. And so today we're going to be looking at the story of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet to, to the nation of Israel. And uh, Jonah, many of you know the story of Jonah and the whale. You're familiar with that? But what is important for us to understand is that the story of Jonah really was a reminder to Israel that God's love was for all nations. It wasn't just for them. It wasn't just for, for those that, a particular set of people. But in fact, that particular set of people, the Israelites, were chosen in order to bring God's light and love to the rest of the world. And so that's what the story of Jonah was. But for us, what does it mean for us? Well, this story, the story of Jonah, should remind us that God's love is for all people. And in fact, we are called to bring that love and his story to the world around us. And so I want you to remember that, that this story should remind you of God's love for all people and that he's calling you to bring that story to those around you. As we read through, as we go through the story of Jonah, particularly we're going to focus in on chapter 4. Right, so the story of Jonah is unique uh, as a prophet. He's a minor prophet, or it's a, um, not meaning that he's a lesser than or the, the, the message is lesser than. It just means it's a smaller book. The major prophets tend to be larger. The, the book of Jonah is only about 58 verses long. And um, it's also, it's, it's probably, um, it, well, it's unique because of the idea that the message itself, it wasn't that God gave Jonah a message and then he was supposed to share that message with Israel. The story itself is a message. God gives Jonah a message for Nineveh, and that whole process of him getting the message and what he does and then the result of it was a message for Israel that God's love was for all his people, for all his creation. And so as we read through this and as we look at this, remember that the story really is the message. And so when we look at it, we're not going to read through the whole thing, but it'd be too long, but we'll focus on chapter four. At the beginning, 
God calls Jonah. I mean, in the, in the beginning, it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. So God calls Jonah for a specific task, and that task is to go to Nineveh and tell him to repent. Well, instead of doing what God says, Jonah runs away. Now, he has his reasons, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but he runs away, and he tries to go to Dar- Tarshish, which is like the opposite end of the world from Nineveh. Nineveh's over here. Tarshish is over here. He's trying to get away from the presence of God, and we know that a big storm comes up, and, um, and Jonah's they just discovered that it's because of Jonah and Jonah says, okay, throw me in the ocean and then the storm will abate. And so they did, they threw him in the ocean, storm abated. And then a fish, God appointed a fish to come up and swallow Jonah and then spit him out on dry land. And and then God again calls Jonah. So God calls Jonah, he runs away. Then God corrects Jonah and then Jonah responds. And so God calls him again and Jonah goes to Nineveh. He's not super happy about it, but he goes to Nineveh and then miraculously, as he's proclaiming the message that God has given him for Nineveh, they repent. And so that they repent, they, they uh, declare days of fasting. Um, and then Jonah leaves the city and he goes up on a hill and he gets upset. He gets, basically, Jonah gets mad. And that's kind of where we, 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 we jump into the story there, into this place. And so Jonah chapter 4, and I want to read it for you um, as you're watching here. And you can follow along. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and, and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he could till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? So what we're seeing here in chapter 4, many uh, scholars believe that this is really the climax of the, the story of Jonah. This is where significant elements and principles are being taught. And so what I want to do uh, is I want to focus on four phrases. Four phrases that we see in the scripture here. Uh, three that are from chapter 4 and one that is from chapter 3. To, to, to just to mind and, and understand some principles um, that God is trying to teach Israel as he's reminding them that his love is for all people. And then how does that then relate to our lives so that we, we can then be reminded that God's love is for all people and how can we be challenged and transformed? And so the first phrase that I want to look at is, is this phrase that says, that is why I made haste to flee. In verse 2, it says, and, and he prayed, Jonah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God, a merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah knew that if he went to Nineveh and they repented, that God would forgive them. 
So what did Jonah do? He ran away. God called him. Jonah ran away. It goes back to Jonah 1 when God said, Jonah, go. And he said, and, and he, uh, he, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid his fare. And he, he tried to get as far away. In fact, it says he's trying to get away from the presence of God. Well, we really can't be, get away from the presence of God. We can't avoid what God is calling us to do. And so then when I think about that, I think about our own lives. Like, what is God calling us to do? Who is God calling us to bring his message to? Who is he speaking to us about? Right now in your heart, in your mind, when I say that, who comes to mind? And maybe we've been running the other way. Maybe we flee God when he calls us. And there's a number of reasons why we might. Maybe there's fear. There's fear because God has called us to be a witness at work, but we know that if we, we be a witness at work that there, we might f- face some persecution. Or maybe we'll, maybe we'll, we'll face uh, some ridicule. Maybe there's anger, and then they, they, I don't want to tell that person about Jesus because they've hurt me. They don't deserve to know about God. That's what, what Jonah was saying. The Ninevites are evil, and they were evil. That's the reason why they were going to have destruction brought down upon them, because they were evil. And so Jonah's like, they're evil. They don't deserve God's love. Right? So there's, there's a variety of reasons. Maybe there's apathy. Maybe it's discouragement. I've, I've tried to tell people about Jesus, but they, they're not hearing. They don't, they don't listen. They, they, they just don't want anything to do about it, and I'm discouraged from doing it. And so sometimes we flee, and sometimes we just, we just stop listening. You know, this reminds me of um, when, I, when I drive, I, for whatever reason, I know where I'm going, but I love to use either. I use Google Maps in ways that kind of go back and forth between the two, but I'll throw my, the address into Google Maps, and I know where I'm going, but I kind of want to see what the traffic's like, and I want to see where, you know, what path it's going to tell me is the best one, and then I'll see if I can find a better one. But, but sometimes when I'll set my destination, and then I'll say, oh, but I need to go here first. So I'm, I got to go to Langley, but first I'm going to go to Mission. So I'll set my destination for Langley, and then I'll start driving a mission. And the GPS keeps telling me, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. Rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. And two, one of two things happen. Either I turn, turn off Google Maps, or I just ignore it, and I stop hearing it. And I think that's the way we are with God sometimes. He's calling us to do something. He's calling us to go a certain way. But we don't want to, for whatever reason. And so one of two things is we, we, stop, we stop listening. We, we try and flee from God. Or... Uh, we just start tuning him out till we, we don't hear his voice anymore. Almost like a, a child whose parent keeps asking them to do something and they just stop listening. They don't hear it anymore. Selective hearing. So we have to ask ourselves, do we have selective hearing with God? Has God been calling me to share his love with somebody in my life, with somebody in my neighborhood, with somebody in my family, and I've just stopped hearing him? We need to spend some time in discernment and figuring out who God is calling us to. Right, this is the, the pr- principle in the story of Jonah. The, he, made, he wanted to flee, and sometimes we flee, and we stop listening to God. The second phrase that I wanted to bring to our attention is this one. It says, do, when God says twice to Jonah, do you do well to be angry? Right, first was after uh, Jonah said, you know, this, I, I, I knew you were going to forgive them. I didn't want you. I just want to die. And then God says, do you do well to be angry? And then later on, after the, the plant grows up, shades him, and then the, the plant dies. And you got to understand, there was an, it was called a, uh, a scorching east wind. Uh, the, the name is Sir, Siroku, which it's like this, 
the best way I can imagine it is if you remember when we had those heat domes where it was like 45 plus degrees, or if you've ever been to Palm Springs in the summertime or somewhere extremely hot, the, the desert, right? It's like that, but with this hot wind blowing through and you just, there's no relief. And, and to the point of you can have hallucinations and exhaustion comes quickly and, and you're, you're, you're dehydrated. Uh, it's just incre- incredibly uncomfortable. So Jonah's like, I'm super uncomfortable, God. So I'm mad. And both times he says, do you do well to be angry? The first time Jonah doesn't answer him. The second Second time, Jonah does, and, and God reengages Jonah in a conversation. See, Jonah was angry because he did not feel that Nineveh deserved God's mercy. He probably wasn't really angry about the plant. He was angry about something else, right? The, the Ninevites, the Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria, and Assyria had come in, and they had... Um, taken over, and uh, they're oppressing uh, the nation of Israel. Now, to understand the nation of Israel at this time, there was the northern kingdom called Israel, who Jonah was speaking to, then there was a southern kingdom called Judah. And so there was 10 tribes that made up the northern kingdom and two tribes that made up the, 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 the southern kingdom. And so um, the northern kingdom was taken over by the Assyrians. And so, yeah, they were the enemies of the, uh, the nation of Israel, those 10 tribes. And so Jonah didn't feel that they deserved God's mercy. And I wonder if sometimes there's people in our lives that we feel don't deserve God's mercy, don't deserve God's grace. Whether there's things they've done to us or done to others or they're just mean people or, or whatever it is. There's just something, there's something blocking us. And, and we're at the point where we're angry enough. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I have a right to not give them the gospel. But what God is doing here is he's revealing the hypocrisy of Jonah's discrimination. That Jonah is saying, they don't deserve the, go- the gospel. They don't deserve your, your love, but I do. Right? Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 11, tells us that Jesus died for us, even while we were still his enemies. And sometimes when we grow up in the church or we've been around Christianity a long time, we forget where we've come from. We forget that we are all sinners. And that we all are, are, the penalty of sin is death for everyone, but it's only through the grace of God, by faith, the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross that allows us to be children of God. And that promise, that hope is for the world. And so God, when he's calling us to bring that, his love, he's calling us to bring that to the world that doesn't know him. And when we're not willing to do that for whatever reason, we're saying that we deserve this grace, but they don't deserve this grace. So in our times when we're in praying, we need to, we need to ask God to, to help our hearts, to fill us with compassion for the world around us, particularly if we find that we're getting more and more jaded because our world is, is getting more and more difficult to follow Christ in. It's, it seems to be getting more and more dangerous. It, it just, it's, it's a difficult place to live and be a follower of Christ. And our, our calling then is, is, as we see with Jonah, is that we need to bring God's love to the world around us. So do you do well to be angry? So Jonah was being challenged in how he felt about the Ninevites and how he felt about himself and who deserved God's grace. The third uh, idea here, the third phrase, is this one called, says, the Lord appointed. We see this, we see this uh, four times. The Lord appointed a fish earlier on uh, when Jonah was thrown over, overboard in, in chapter 2. One and two, and then we see that now in chapter four here, the Lord appointed a plant, and then God appointed uh, a scorching east wind, and then God appointed um, a worm. So the way that, that what we see here is that God is working in his sovereignty 
in our in a, in a world that sometimes we don't see what he's doing, right? This term appointed highlights God's sovereignty. God was was over all his is over all his creation. What's interesting here is the um, the comparison um, or the um, the contrast of God's sovereignty over his creation, appointing a fish and a plant and a worm and a scorching east wind, and even hurling a storm at the the ship that Jonah was trying to escape on, and then the ability for Jonah to say yes or no, his free will. And this has always kind of been a battle in the world that we live in. Do is the world determined? predetermined or does God give us free will in that we so scripture teaches us that God is sovereign and he's working out his plan ultimately God's plan came to fruition uh, Jonah went to Nineveh and and Nineveh repented uh, and so we know God's plan is going to work out and the scripture tells us that God desires all to come to repentance but it also tells us that he he that, that the only way for people to know about Jesus to repent is if there's someone who goes and preaches and so there's there's this element of God is using us in his plan his grand plan um, the question is, are, do we want to be part of that? Right? God is already working out his plan in our world. Will we be part of that world? Right? Sometimes we get so hyper-focused on our own lives that we forget about what God is doing and, and, and maybe the, the divine appointments that we've had in, in, throughout the day that we just didn't recognize. Um, what helps me understand this is um, an illustration with, with Google Maps again. Um, when I set in a destination for when I want to go somewhere, I'll set it in and then I'll, I'll hit directions and then it shows me a bigger picture and shows me three or four different routes that I could take to get to my destination. I'm like, well, I like that one and I can kind of choose which way, but I'm going to this destination where I'm going. Right? But then as soon as I hit start, it zooms into where I am and I can no longer see which route I'm taking. And so sometimes I'll be going and then it says, oh, rerouting you. And I'm like, why are you rerouting me? I, I want to, I, I know the way I'm going. Um, and so if I keep persisting and going the same way without moving where GPS is taking me, I might hit a traffic jam or an accident that has delayed me then 30, 40 minutes. Same thing in our lives. When we are hyper-focused just on, just on ourselves and what's going on around us, we miss what God is doing. We don't see that maybe he's asking us to go over here because there's somebody over here that we needed to talk to because somebody already talked to them and they're just, they're just waiting for the words that we have that will bring them further along in their journey. So my encouragement and my challenge uh, to all of you watching is that as you go through your day, be open to God moving you and speaking to you and be, be willing. Like when you feel that you're prompted to talk to somebody, act upon it. It might feel awkward at first and it might feel weird, but... but the more you do it, the more you're in tune to the voice of God and to what he's calling you to and who he's calling you to share his love with. The more we do it, the more we can see the bigger picture. You'll see, well, God had me talking with this person. And when I talked to them, I realized that God had already had somebody else talking to them. And so now uh, we see, I see what God is doing. Be open to, to God working already in the world around you and endeavor to be part of what he's doing. And then the fourth uh, phrase that we see is, and the people believed God. This is back in chapter three. Jonah, had, Jonah went in and he, he was telling them, 40 days and you will be overthrown. You need to repent. And so the people of Nineveh believed God. They believed the message. Jonah didn't need to convince the people. I think this is important for us to hear uh, because even in our lives, in, in the world we live in, particularly coming out of the modern age where we feel that rationality and reason are like the supreme uh, ways of knowing, uh, that we feel that arguments, and we see this in the world of apologetics. I did my master's in apologetics, and we, you see, this, here's this argument. If you believe this argument, then you have no other option but to believe that Jesus is God. But what that does is they're missing this element of God working. 
my uh, professor had told me, he says, Andrew, if you can argue somebody into the kingdom, somebody else can argue them out. Right? There's this intangible work of the Holy Spirit that is going on. So God was working, obviously, in the hearts and the lives of the people of Nineveh that they would repent so quickly. We don't know what was going on. We don't know what was happening. But we do know that God was working in their lives. And, and we don't know how God is already working in the, the lives of people around you. One thing that I find helpful for this is kind of like if you, if you imagine it like a, a scale, right? On one side, you have negative 10. It's a spiritual journey scale. One, negative 10, and over here you have a positive 10. Right? And then in the middle is a zero. And negative 10 is as pagan as you can get, or what, far away from God as you get. Eighth, whatever it is, you just don't believe in God. God doesn't exist. You're living your own life. Right? The closer you get to zero, the more you're, 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 you know, you're growing in awareness of God. And then that zero moment, that's the moment of conversion when you cross over from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That's your moment of justification, no longer uh, um, guilty of the penalty uh, of sin, which is death and separation from God. And then there's this zero to plus 10, this positive spiritual journey as you grow in your relationship with Jesus and you become more like him. Right? And so what this helps me because whoever God is calling you to is somewhere on that spiritual journey and you are called to their life for a season. Maybe you're called to help bring them from a negative eight to a negative four, or maybe you're they're there to bring them from negative two to a plus two, bring them across that line of conversion. Or maybe you're, you're already on the, this, the, the side where they're following Christ. And so plus two to a plus six, you're there in their life for a season. And I tell you this because sometimes we can get discouraged when we, we tell people about Jesus and we share our faith and they don't seem to respond in the way that we want. They don't, they don't come to know Jesus as their savior. They don't have that conversion moment. But what's important for us to remember is that we are in the lives of people for a season and for a reason. God has brought us into their hearts and into their lives because there's, there's, there's purpose there. And our purpose is to, to love people and to care for people and to be in community. And so maybe God's calling you to do that. Maybe with your neighborhood, maybe with your friends, maybe with coworkers. God's calling you to, to bring his love to the people around you, to your world, to your context. Because you don't know what God's already doing. And, and God, you may share your faith with somebody and they might, they're like, you know, that is what I've been waiting to hear and I'm ready to take that step. So I want to encourage you that as, as you're going along in your, your day-to-day, uh, be aware of the spiritual journey. Be aware of those in your lives and where they are in that spiritual journey and how you can be part of that journey with them. So we see from the book of Jonah this, this story, that again, that God is reminding Israel, that his love is for all people. And that not to get zoomed in and not to get focused on our own worries and our own fears. And that stuff's important. And God cares about that. And, and he loves us. But he also wants us to move beyond that and to see the greater picture of the world around us. And so I want to leave you with, with three, um, three questions. The now what of our, our message. So what do you do now? Well, what I want to encourage you is you spend time with God daily. That you would ask these three questions. Number one, who is God calling you to tell about him? Who is on your heart? Who is on your, is it a family member? Is it a, is it a coworker? Uh, is, it, is it a neighbor, a friend? And as you identify and understand who God is calling you to, I want you to begin to pray for compassion, that God would help you see them as he sees them, that he would give you his heart for them. Because particularly if it's a neighbor or a friend or, or, or somebody in your, your, your context where you're like, there's animosity or there's anger or there's, there's hurt, and maybe God will help you overcome that and find forgiveness 
and find restoration as we pray for compassion. So who is God calling you to tell him about him? The second question is, how is God active in their lives right now? As you identify that person, how do you see God already working in their lives? Are there other people in their lives that are coming around them, other followers of Christ? Um, what is God doing in their lives? That is, are they, are they going through a situation that causes them to look beyond themselves? Like, I can't handle this on my own. I need something greater than me. So as you're thinking about this person and you're reflecting on where, how God is moving in their lives, pray for discernment, that God would help you see where his spirit is already moving. Because we're not called to go and just do our own mission. We are called to identify the mission of God and be part of it. Jonah's, Jonah's mission to Nineveh, that was, that was God's mission. That all of his people would know him. That Israel would be a light to the nations. So that was already God's mission. Jonah was just taking part in what God wanted him to do, what the, his part of the mission. And so that, that's what I want to encourage you with as well. As you ask the question, how is God active in their lives right now? And then the third question is, how can you act in obedience? What do you need to do? What do you need to do to, to, to fulfill the call and the ministry that God has called you to do? So I, I encourage you to pray for courage. Pray for strength. That God would help you to not only to see through discernment what you need to do, but also that he would give you the courage to do it. Because we live in a world where it's more and more difficult, it feels, to, for personal engagement. There's a lot of social anxiety that is this, this happening. COVID didn't really help that. It made it worse. And so it might take... Um, strength beyond yourself, just to be able to go to your neighbor and begin conversations. But it doesn't have to be anything awkward. It can be just um, natural. I, I know one pastor told a story about it. every every day at night, he would go take his garbage out the same time his neighbor would, and they would just talk, right? And so sometimes he would watch and wait. As soon as he saw his neighbor taking his garbage out, he'd take his garbage out so that he could... Um, they could have a conversation. And, and through that, they built a relationship. Just something as simple as that is that. But ask these questions. Who is God calling you to tell about him? How is God active in their lives right now? And how can you act in obedience? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you gave us Jesus, who gives us hope and light and life. I thank you, Father, that you've given us prophets like Jonah that have shown us how that you are calling us to, to bring your love to others. And it reminds us of that. So as we're reminded today, Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom God, I pray that you would give us discernment in, in, in who we need to be reaching out to and who is on our hearts and who is on your hearts that are in our lives. I pray that you'd give us strength and courage to be able to act in obedience and to follow the calling that you've placed on our hearts. Remind us again, help us to hear, open our ears and open our eyes to hear and to see what you are calling us to and who you are calling us to and how we need to respond. I thank you, Father, for your truth that permeates our heart through this story. And I pray that you would transform us, transform our hearts to become more like you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for this, uh, this sermon. I, God bless you and have a great week. Thanks for joining us. If you are looking to get connected, we are one church in multiple locations. Our Aldergrove campus meets at Parkside Elementary School Sundays at 1030. Our Abbotsford campus has three services each Sunday, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. We would love to see you at one of our in-person gatherings. If you would like to financially support us, you can always give at cscca give. See you later.